Do you know bonds get graded too? Credit ratings can help you evaluate the bond's quality and riskiness. Let's find out more in today's episode. Hi, I'm Fengyi from Bond Superman. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about newborn issues and whole discussions on the fixed income market. So bond ratings are representations of the creditworthiness of corporate or government bonds. The ratings are published by credit rating agencies and they help you assess an issuer's financial strength and capacity to repay the bond accordingly. So today, we'll be discussing more about how bonds are rated with our guest speaker, Willie King. Hi, Willie! Hey, hey, Feng Yi, hello. Could you briefly introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure. My name is Willie. I'm also the founder of a financial blog called DividendTitan.com. I'm also a private investor. And my background is in Hayu research, as we were discussing earlier on. So through my blog, I basically teach people how to spot opportunities in the corners of the stock market, but also using good research to identify them. But more importantly, also trying to keep investing simple. Wow. So it's a great pleasure to have you with us today. So let's start off with the first question. So some of us might have heard of S&P, Moody's and Fitch, you know, the main credit rating agencies. Mm. But let's take a step back to first understand. So what exactly is a credit rating? Mm. Very good one, um, Feng Yi. So in the whole credit universe or the whole bond universe, right, it's very hard to ignore credit ratings. So credit ratings are like your scoring, right? So it's a lot like uh, back then when I was... Um, doing my O-levels. Mm. You know, I'm not sure if um, you're doing, you did O-levels before. I mean, there are so many other exams now. But if you see, there are, you know, you have, you're grading A1, A2, B3, B4, right? Right. For bonds, they are also exactly the same thing. So you have different scoring systems for each of these bonds out there, right? So you have, you know, from the highest quality of AAA all the way down to high yield or the junk status, which is your single B, and your defaulted status, which is your C or your D. Mm. So this, it has a whole spectrum of all this and they are usually identified not by numbers, but by alphabets. So the more alphabets there are in the credit rating, the better the quality. And the lesser the alphabet means you can safely assume that the bond itself is of a higher risk. Oh, actually, that's a good way of remembering it. <laughs> eh. The more alphabets, okay, now I know. And I like the reference you drew there. So now I can relate better. Okay, so actually, different rating, different agencies actually adopt different rating skills. So how can we actually compare across the different ratings? Mm. So there are basically two distinctive credit rating. One is called the high-grade rating or the investment-grade rating, where it goes anywhere from AAA all the way down to B. And then from there, you have or what I call the crossover, meaning that you know from high from high grade or investment grade, you move into the high yield mm. or what um, people in the West like to call it the junk status. Okay. So that was something which I did a lot last time. So high yield ratings are basically anywhere from double B all the way down to single B, your Cs and your D, which is your defaulted status. Okay. So here, where it lies is the quality of the credit or the quality of the companies. So obviously, when you have high-grade or investment-grade companies or bonds, they are usually issued or borrowed by very high-quality companies, right? Um, your state-owned companies, for example, or your huge conglomerates who typically want to borrow money, they can do it through the high-grade or the high-investment-grade issuance. And then for the lower-status 
or the higher yield um, companies uh, bonds, they are usually borrowed from companies which are of a lower status or lower credit quality, meaning that they might not be as big as some of the conglomerates or the multinational corporations. They are slightly smaller in, in size. They might be slightly more what I call leveraged, meaning that they take on more debt, they mm. borrow more money. And that's why they get a lower quality credit quality here. Okay, I see. So as you mentioned, just now you mentioned like there's the high yield portion, right? So I'm guessing credit rating will also affect the bond yield. So is it like if something is better rated then they generate lesser yield or higher yield? Mm. How does it work? So it's actually a very good point for me because credit ratings, right? Um, what's interesting is that it allows you to sort of price the bond. That means it allows you to determine how much you uh, you, you should be paying. When I first okay. started out as an analyst, you know, as we were discussing earlier mm. um, in my first investment boutique firm, was that you know I was made to memorize the entire credit rating table. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that was really important because uh, through that you understand each of this credit rating. You know what is the rough or average yield which these bonds are trading at, oh, number one. Okay. And then secondly, you are able to come out or what you call pricing because in stocks, you have what you call intrinsic value to try, try to find out the business value of the company itself and then okay. you compare it against the market price or the stock price. Yep. But in bonds, it's a bit different here. In bonds, what you want to do is to compare the credit quality between one company to the next. So mm. the higher the credit quality, the lower the yield or the lower the bond yield of some of these bonds. And obviously, when it goes down what I call the credit curve, that means as it goes down from triple A to double A to single A to triple B and then to double B, the higher the yield, right? It gets more expensive for these companies to borrow money. That's one. But it's also better for investors to invest in these bonds because you get a higher return. Right. But of course, that comes with higher sort of a higher risk. Exactly. Right. So it's very interesting here because as we were talking about between investment grade and high yield, there's this little segment, what I call the fallen angels. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So the fallen angels are what happens when a company falls from, say, a triple B, mm. which is the worst rating of the investment grade spectrum. Okay, yep. And then it goes all the way down from triple B to the next level, down to the next level, which is a double B. So this occurs when companies sometimes they are hit with bad quarterly results mm. or sometimes you know they started to borrow more than usual because they are at a part of the cycle where they need to invest more money into building factories, into investing equipments, into expanding their business. So they borrow money and as a result, their credit rating drops. Now, the interesting part here as an investor or as a fund manager mm. is where you sort of want to invest in some of these fallen angels because on one hand, when it's, these ratings start to drop from triple B to double B, the yield starts to increase. Mm. But it might not necessarily represent the company might be in a bad shape because right. some companies are cyclical, right? You invest a lot in one year and over the next few years or the many years after that, you don't have to invest anymore. So that's when the credit quality starts to worsen temporarily, okay. right? So credit rating drops from say yeah. triple B to double B and then you invest it because of the high yield. But you know that in the future, these companies will be able to improve on this credit quality again mm. because they have a very good business model. So okay. when I was an analyst, it was very interesting I know when we start talking about bonds, you know, I'm, I was really excited because you are able to sort of identify some of these opportunities. And that's really, you know, as an investor, as an analyst, when you're buying bonds, right, this is where you want to 
make full use or full advantage of the entire credit rating because you are able to what I call price all these bonds, right? You know which is cheap, which is expensive based on the scoring which they have. Mm, I really like how you make bonds sound so much more exciting <laughs> than I actually thought it is. So they've actually fallen angel. Okay, now I know that's a hot tip there for investors. But of course, they need to do a lot of research to actually determine whether it's like worth investing or not and like what is actually the state of the company. Mm, right? Yeah, so it's really very interesting when you are when you start to marry the credit ratings of some of these companies and you marry it against the fundamentals of mm. the business, right? Because when you're looking at stocks, you don't just want to look at it from, you know, just pieces of paper. But at the same right. time, bonds are also the same, right? Bonds are not just pieces of paper, but what goes behind or uh, beyond or behind these companies, they mm. are, sorry, behind these bonds, they are basically real companies which borrow money. Right. And sometimes borrowing money might not be necessarily bad. Mm, for sure. Okay, so borrowers and the bonds that they issue are often assigned a rating. So there could be a different rating for, let's say, the company or the country issuing the bond as well as the bond itself. So let's start with issuer rating first. Can you briefly explain how the rating agencies measures and, you know, calculate and deduce the rating for the respective issuers? Mm, that's a very good question. It's a, a very good follow-up from talking about fallen angels. So issuers... You have the top three agencies. Actually, in fact, there are many, many credit rating agencies um, in the US. But mm. the three big ones, which is S&P, Moody's and Fitch, yep. how they do it, generally, they have a few um, factors which they consider. Number one, they will be looking at the size of the company, which means that they'll be looking at the revenues and the profit. So the bigger the revenue, the bigger the profit, typically have a much higher credit rating or much higher quality. Then next, they will be talking about the business model, the competitive advantage. So that is basically the essence, right? The substance of the company. Mm. Whether, you know, they are able to predictably generate the profits, the cash flow for the business itself. So they'll be looking at, you know, whether they have an economic mode, you know, whether they have an advantage versus the competitors and the industry landscape and how some of these companies, you know, whether they monopolize their market, so and so forth, right? So yep. this is the second one they actually look at. The third one they are look, they're looking at, which is also the most important one, is what I call the leverage ratios. Mm. That means this analyzes the company's um, ability to borrow money, that's one, and also how much debt or how much borrowings they have. So the more borrowings they have on their balance sheet or in, as in their financial position, the lower the credit quality. So that means rating agencies, when they look up at a company, and they realize that, oh, this company has a lot, a lot of debt, right? They have, most probably, they have a very, very low credit quality or a low, mm. much lower credit rating. And right. how do you look at it? You know, there's this little test, which I usually do, which is called the 30 seconds balance sheet test. Oh, so wow. what you do is okay. you go straight to the balance sheet. You know, you take the total amount of debt on the balance sheet and you simply divide it by the total equity or mm. the net worth of the company. And if it's more than 100%, you know, sometimes that would be a good indicator to see that that's quite a leveraged company, right? So that's actually one way to actually look at it. And rate, of course, rating agencies, they have very complex formulas. They have made more formulas, you know, to actually calculate some of these ratios. Mm. So leverage ratio is one of them. The last one, which is second, second most important, to leverage is what I call the liquidity ratios, okay. right? So the liquidity ratio yeah. measures how much profit or how much cash flow they actually collect. And through this cash flow, how much they can pay the interest payment for some of these companies. So what you want for these companies, 
which issue bonds, what you want is for them to generate a lot of free cash flow, mm. right? A lot of profits, but try to pay as little interest cost as, as possible. So one good measure is by using the interest coverage ratio. Interest coverage ratio, you basically take the profits of the company and you simply divide by how much interest they pay. So the higher this ratio is, the better it is. So in, in substance, these are some of the big factors um, mm. rating agencies use to um, calculate the credit ratings of some of these companies. Okay, thanks for covering the key indicators. But of course, I believe there are a lot more behind, right? Okay, mm. But that is actually very interesting. So now I can actually draw better <laughs> references to whatever research article our analysts put out on the website. Because yeah. I recall <laughs> I'm reading all this like liquidity ratio and all that. Yeah. So anyway, applying this to a real world scenario, right? If I'm not wrong, Singapore has the highest possible credit rating. So I wanted to ask, could you share with us how and what contributed to her getting the score? Mm. So sovereign ratings are slightly different from um, corporate credit ratings or mm. companies which have a credit rating. So com um, sovereigns or countries, mm. they also have their own set of credit ratings. So okay. for Singapore, we have a triple A. Mm. So it means that we are really, really safe. And the chances of Singapore defaulting on mm. our borrowings, you know, defaulting on our government bonds, right? Mm. You know, we were discussing earlier about treasury bills. Yeah, Whether we are default. It's very, very low because we have the highest rating in the world, which is triple A. Mm. And really the reason why, even though Singapore is a very small country with a very small population size, is because um, a lot of rating agencies, they give a lot of credit, they give a lot of weight and importance mm. to the transparency, the corporate governance, the framework of the country itself. So that means looking at the amount of corruption, amount of bribery, okay. you know, how clean, how transparent or how easy it is to do business in Singapore, how stable are some of these um, asset prices, property prices, your currency, so your Singapore dollar currency is very stable here. And of course, lastly, is also the growth of the economy as well. So mm. Singapore, you know, it's not just a trading hub, but it's also a wealth hub as well, where we're attracting a lot, a lot of money into right. Singapore over the last few years. So that actually contributes to the very strong sovereign rating or the very strong credit rating which Singapore has. I see. Okay, so as mentioned, the issuer rating and the issue rating could be different. Mm. So now that we have the issuer ratings covered, right? So can I check, you know, is there a difference as to how they assess like the issue or the bond rating? Mm. That's a very good question. And this is in particular very important, especially when you are investing in bank bonds. Mm. Why? Because if you see for banks, when they issue bonds, they have what I call different seniority or different levels, mm. right? That means that for, for each of these banks, right, you will realize that some bonds which the bank issues are actually much stronger than the other bonds which is issued out of the same bank. So say, for example, oh. when Credit Suisse with their 81 bonds got wiped out, mm -hmm. people were very curious, right? Because Credit Suisse is you know, a pretty strong credit or pretty strong bank. But why is it that the 81s are considered very high risk? Yeah. Right? It's because... If you see, if you go deeper into the balance sheet or the liabilities of some of these banks, yeah. right? They have banks don't just collect deposits; they also borrow money from other banks mm. as loans, as borrowings. And typically, when a bank, you know, let's say if it winds up, right, it closes down today, what they're going to do is they're going to sell off all the assets which they have, which means the cash, um, the investments which, which, which they hold, and they start to pay off some of these creditors. And you have your depositors 
who are getting paid off first. So they rank at the highest level in the bank, mm. right? So um, bank deposits that are insured to a certain amount, you know, the depositors, they will be paid off first. And then, of course, you have the senior loans or what you call the bank borrowings. Mm. So when a bank winds up, let's say it winds up, um, they'll take the money which they sell from their assets, they'll pay the loans next. Mm. And then after that, they will pay off the bonds. Okay. So the bonds are actually ranked lower than your deposits and your bank borrowings. Yeah. So that's where the difference in the credit rating starts to come. Because mm. if you are investing in a slightly lower, um, um, uh, higher risk uh, bonds here, which is slightly um, more risky than a bank borrowing because they get paid off later, okay. your credit rating will start to drop. All right. And say, for example, for Credit Suisse, where they have the 81 bonds, these 81 bonds are ranked even lower than your regular bonds or your plain okay. vanilla bonds, right? Because they carry a much higher risk. Yep. They have a chance where, you know, they will get wiped out, which clearly happened, you know, yes. weeks back. So these guys, uh, your 81 bonds, have what I call an issue rating, which is very different from the issuer rating. So Credit Suisse might have a set of issuer rating, but the 81 bonds might have a much lower credit quality or their issue, rate, issue rating might be even worse off than the issuer rating because of the difference in the rankings of some of these bonds. Right. Okay, okay. Oh, that's interesting. There's a lot of <laughs> things to note and digest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. Like, you know, when you're looking at, say, some of these European bonds or even Singapore, right? If mm. you invest in bonds, Singapore bank bonds, you know, you're looking at your DBS, UOB, OCBC, you will re realize that some of these uh, bonds which have been issued by DBS, they are very high quality. Yep. But when you are looking at the 81 bonds of DBS, right. you can see that there's a change in the credit rating. And really the reason why is because of the difference in seniority is the different, right, in the different levels where some of these uh, banks are getting paid off to the investors first, right? So this is where the distinction or the differences start to come in. So one way as an investor, you know, if you want to what I call play the credit curve of mm. um, this, this bonds, right? You typically be wanting to be looking at the issuer, how strong they are first, yep. and then investing in their worst bond or the worst quality of the bond because you have a very high confidence that some of these banks, you know, they wouldn't default, they wouldn't get into trouble, right? They might be flushed with huge deposits and they're highly profitable, right? Mm. So you, this is one way to actually look into investing into bonds where the issuer rating and the issue rating might be different. Right. Okay. Speaking of Singapore, you know, it seems like the SGD bond market does not have a high share of rated issuance. So when I did my little research, <laughs> so in 2016, um, about 30% of the SGD bonds issued were rated. So in fact, Singapore announced a credit rating grant to encourage bond issuers to obtain credit ratings. So I wanted to ask, you know, why are we not seeing SGD bonds getting rated? Mm. That's a very, very interesting point and a very insightful point you made for me because um, the Singapore dollar market is actually a very small market. I yeah. think it's roughly about over $100 billion today. Okay. And most of it is coming from your banks, right, which they are rated. Um, also, a large part is coming from property um, bonds as well. Once upon a time, it used to be oil and gas. But of course, after the whole oil price crash, you know, 
seven, eight years ago, you don't really get to see much of these bonds anymore. But what's important to note here is that a lot of the companies which issue bonds in Singapore, your Singapore dollar bonds, they tend to be much smaller companies, mm. which means that those who invest in these bonds, they tend to be their friends or their families which invest in these bonds. Okay. Not a lot of institutions, they actually invest in these bonds because they're all very small. Right? The issue mm. size could be about $100 million, $50 million, about $200 million. So this is very small. So big institutions or big funds, they typically don't invest too many into these Singapore dollar bonds, which results in these Singapore dollar bonds or these companies which um, issue bonds. They don't see a need to get a credit rating because uh, don't forget the whole idea of getting a credit rating is to allow, uh, to attract investors you know, from overseas, be it in the US, in Europe, or outside of Singapore to invest into the bonds. But because these issues are all, these bond issues in Singapore are so small, uh, many uh, fund management companies, they don't typically invest in it. And mm. most of these um, investors, the large part is friends and families, and they might not really uh, bother too much about credit ratings. So th there wasn't mm. a need to get um, some of these bonds rated. Even though it's, Clearly, it's important because like what we have said way earlier at the start of um, the show is that credit ratings allow you to determine the yield, determine the price. So it's actually important. Now, once upon a time, Singapore REITs were required to get a credit oh, rating. Okay. But MAS has since removed it. And I guess the reason could be is that a lot of the investors, you know, could they, they tend to be your private investors, um, your private clients, your private wealth clients. Um, not many big institutions or big funds will invest in them. That's why it might not be necessary to get a credit rating. Okay. Do you think like moving forward, there could be any changes in the trends in the SGD bond market? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point as well. Um, one trend which I'm seeing is that probably as the Singapore market is focused more and more REITs, mm. Singapore REITs, they are looking at more uh, property companies um, and property companies are cyclical companies which tend to borrow money. So they don't just borrow from the banks, they borrow from the bonds. One big trend which we could be seeing is that there will be a large, much larger proportion of the Singapore dollar bond market coming from property companies. And, and that's what we are also seeing right now, right? A lot of the issuance, um, a lot of the primary issuance are coming from property market from the property market. And that's really the nature of the industry because if you see compared to um, tech companies, for example, healthcare companies, they might not borrow as much um, money, mm. right? Compared to say property companies. Property companies, you know, based on the business model, based on the nature of the business, they tend to borrow a lot. That's why they tend to uh, tap or they tend to look into the bond market more often. So the trend here is actually um, there will be a larger proportion of um, companies from the property sector going into the bond market. So that's where mm. one big trend is actually going to. And it's also a function, you know, of how um, the Singapore stock market is. So, you know, if you have more companies, more growing companies coming from the property sector, naturally the appetite to borrow more money mm. also increases. That's where we start to see a growth in um, the property sector borrowing money um, in the bond market. I see. Um, okay, if we were to look at the global landscape then, with most financial institutions facing, you know, worsening credit conditions like slower economic growth, higher costs, um, will it affect the company's <coughs> credit ratings? Yeah, 
of course, I mean, if you see um, as a credit analyst, right, as a fixed income analyst, you want to be also not just looking at the company itself, but you also want to be looking at what's going on in mm. the world, in the economy, in the industry as well. So it's really a top-down approach. And as the economy slows down, obviously you will see some of these sectors, some of these industries, you know, where they start to downsize, they'll start to see profits shrinking. And that's where you start to see a stress in some of these uh, companies. Not necessarily the high-grade or the investment-grade companies because they have very strong financial position. Okay. You know, they have very strong banking lines with their banks, relationship with their banks. But what, where, where the focus is, is on more on the high-yield uh, bonds or mm. the lower-credit quality companies where they might face some stress. Because that was what happened you know, in 2014 where a lot of these oil and gas companies, where they wrote on the huge oil price rally back then, years back, mm. and they were enjoying, you know, um, a huge amount of cash flow, yeah. huge amount of profits, and they were investing a lot, so they were borrowing a lot of money. But when the cycle turns, right, when mm. the oil price crashed, when the whole industry turned, what happened was that a lot of these oil and gas companies, offshore marine, um, your equipment manufacturers, they started to face some strains, right? The profits started to shrink, Correct. right? The profits started to go down. Yeah. And the ability to pay some of this interest cost, the ability to refinance the bonds, you know, started to get a bit more tricky, it's right? It's mm. get, it gets tougher and tougher. So economy, the economy, the industry definitely plays an important role, especially when you are looking at some of these high yield bonds. Right. Okay, so as we approach the end of the podcast, do you have any final words for investors out there who wants to use credit ratings when they make their financial decisions or when they want to manage their portfolios? Mm. Um, so credit rating is a very, very important um, metrics or a very important table. Like I've mentioned, you know, when I first started out in the industry, the first thing which I was made to memorize was the credit rating table. I should go back and memorize now. <laughs> and, and it's yes. important because that determines mm. you, you know, what are the prices, you know, what's the yield where you this these bonds should be trading. So on one hand, you get to understand what the value is, right? Mm. At, Warren Buffett loves to say this, price is what you pay and value is what you get. Mm. And it's the same thing for bonds as well, right? Because when you're looking at a high-risk bond or a low, lower credit uh, quality bond, you obviously want to be paid off at a much higher yield, right? Yeah. So credit rating starts to get really important here in, determine, in determining what sort of yield you should be compensated for. And that's the number one thing for any bond investor or any bond analyst. You know, they should be actually be looking out for this first. And of course, once you know the credit ratings, then you can see what are some of the financial ratios which I've mentioned. Um, the size of the company, the business model, the competitive advantage, the leverage ratio, how much debt they borrow, and of course, the liquidity. So these four points, which drives all these credit ratings. So it's good to understand what are some of these big four factors in determining the credit quality in the credit rating so that you have a good understanding of the scoring system. Mm. And then, of course, understanding you know, how to look at some of these yield, right? So you won't be what I call cheated by the market, <laughs> right? You, 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 you understand, you know, how, yeah. how much you would be be, be paid for or be compensated for. Mm, know what you're investing in. Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you really for the insightful discussion. Thank you for <laughs> So this episode was brought to you by Bond Superman. I'm Feng Yi and our guest speaker with us today is Willy King, founder of DividendTitan.com. Follow Bond Supermarket on Twitter, Facebook and Telegram to get first-hand updates on newborn issues, credit updates and special events. For Bond information and article, visit our website bondsupermarket.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.